Blackhawks fans, welcome in. It's the Four Feathers Podcast. Johnny Nani here alongside Ron Luce, bringing you Blackhawks updates for ontapsportsnet.com. Ronald, good to be back on the mic. Not a long break, not a summer break in between this time. We said you're back in the saddle last time. Now we're back after being back in the saddle. And we got some preseason action to talk about here. Yeah, uh, Johnny, hockey is back and it's refreshing and I'm excited and I can't wait to talk about, uh, you know, being at the UC courtesy of you, my friend. Uh, We'll talk about that later. But Johnny, I hear you, man. It feels good to be back only after a week instead of after, you know, three or four months. Yeah, Ron, what I love about these days in between, too, is like when you go on the NHL.com slash scores tab and you look, you have like a full slate every night. Like at first, they kind of trickled in. You only had a couple games the first weekend and then it picked up a little bit and then you might have had four. But now I'm looking there and it's like you got games starting at six out east and you got games starting at friggin nine thirty. 10 out west. I love it. It's great. Great to have mm. hockey back in our lives here. We'll be in the real deal before you know it here uh, just a week from now. So cannot wait uh, to get back uh, and talk about some meaningful games. But there is still some meaningful stuff going on. And that's why this episode is called This One Time at Training Camp for all you American Pie fans out there. Uh, that's what we're going to theme this one off because training camp is still going on. Some camp battles going on. We've got a ton to get to. But before we do any of that, as I mentioned earlier, this podcast is brought to you by ontapsportsnet.com. So make sure you go there for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ontapsportsnet, where you can find all Blackhawks and Chicago sports updates, videos, podcasts, articles, all that good stuff right there on our social media feeds. So, Ron, let's get into it with the news. Let's start with the news right off the top. And the biggest things as of right now looming amongst the Blackhawks land is injuries. And that is why Kelly Nuck. We'll miss two to four weeks. Uh, that will be about four to ten games into the regular season, depending on the length of his stint. And that is due to a right ankle sprain here. Tough go here. I thought he was for sure going to be penciled in as a uh, kind of uh, bottom pair defenseman for this team. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he he was setting himself up to be part of the what I think will be the five, six, seven rotation this year on the bottom line. I think all three of those guys will be interchangeable. Um it's kind of refreshing to say that because of the additions of Jones and McCabe that allow that to happen. But uh, we're going to talk about another guy that I think is in that group. But I for sure thought Kalyanuk, if he wasn't the sixth guy, quote unquote, he was at least going to be the seven. Right. Tough break for Kalyanuk here, because uh, as we'd mentioned on our last show, running some power play too uh, when they were doing their kind of practices with that A group. So uh, he was going to have a bit of an elevated role, more, more offensively showcased role. Uh, coming into the season. At least I am led to believe that based on his performance at the end of last year, based on his performance at the beginning of training camp. So tough go of it for White Kelly Nook there, but we'll see him back in two to four weeks per Jeremy Colladin. That will be about four to 10 games into the regular season, as I mentioned previously. All right, next one on the docket is Caleb Jones. He missed practice today. Uh, there's no official timetable yet about this is the extent of their update today. Missed practice today, uh, left wrist soreness. Looked okay uh, when, when he was in his previous uh, preseason games, Ron. I don't think this is anything major to be concerned about, but definitely something to keep an eye on, yeah? Yeah, it, it feels like something I've, I'm i curious if we see happen with Kirby Doc because of the wrist. Uh, obviously, I think Doc's a little more severe because I don't think Jones is coming off an injury to his wrist last season like Doc is. Um, you know, but it, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. But Johnny, I mean, sure, we're looking back to, to that Friday game, but He's looked nice so far in preseason mm-hmm. for the Hawks. But, yeah, you just hope it's truly just eh, precautionary, no need to rush him. Maybe they think that highly of him that they know they're gonna he's going to make the team, so they're not pushing him more than they maybe should. I think that's something interesting, too, to take a little spin zone angle on. 
Yeah, right, for sure. And then, you know, you, you got interesting days to be able to line this up so he has some time to recoup from that uh, because you have a preseason game coming up Thursday, uh, October 7th, and then you will have a Friday normal practice. And then Saturday, I would imagine a morning skate before hosting the final preseason game, uh, which we'll get into that slate much later uh, in the show. But uh, that's just kind of where things stand with Caleb Jones right now. Uh, due to those guys both being down, obviously, Kelly Nuck out uh, the multiple weeks, and then uh, Caleb Jones kind of day-to-day right now. That's how I would term him. Uh, Ian Mitchell slots into the first group and Jakob Galvis uh, seeing some time with the first group as well. Uh, thoughts on either of these guys. I know we touched on Mitchell a little bit, but Galvis, a uh, sneaky little guy uh, down there. And I say little because he is small in stature, but hey, this guy has played professionally overseas. Um, maybe drawing from that experience. Hey, they like the experience that Kelly Nuck gained through four years at Madison. You get a guy playing in professional against, you know, uh, maybe tougher competition there uh, than you would see in like an NCAA level there. So uh, Galvis, any thoughts on him? I think, Johnny, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what you said earlier uh, when we were talking off air. Injuries are inevitable. There's nothing wrong with having great depth at any position. I think they're happy to get a guy like Gallops at this point because maybe he's not truly ready-ready on like an every night to be a a five, even four kind of guy, but he's like a true six, maybe seven type guy right now. And in a season where – you, I literally said before we got on, I thought uh, injury to Jones or McCabe makes things really interesting this season. But maybe Galvis is a guy that can step in and, and play good enough uh, to get them over that hump in, in, in that case. So I think it's good to see that they're having some guys be sneaky surprises uh, on this blue line so far. Right. And we're still in COVID times, too. So let's keep that in mind because you just need depth regardless. If anyone has uh, either it's a test positive for COVID or a false positive, uh, whatever it may be, you could ha- have guys sidelined for, uh, you know, multiple days at a time. So it's good to have that depth, like you'd mentioned there, Ron. So obviously injuries uh, on top of that, um, too, which we are experiencing right now, just a little bit uh, on the back end here. So uh, just something to keep an eye on. And I guess the timing of this, uh, you never want to have injuries ever, but if there's a time to have it. It's better to have it now than just like only one preseason season game to go so you get these guys and you can mix them in as you see fit over the final two preseason games obviously at minnesota and then hosting minnesota uh with a day in between of practice there uh so i'd imagine maybe some scrimmage action there then they'll have a couple more days of practice too before venturing out to colorado to start the regular season so we'll be interesting to see keep an eye on at four feathers pod at twitter we will put out any updates as they become available to us so other than that, uh, we mentioned that one time at training camp, uh, training camp trim downs. It's always a part of it every year, annual tradition. I'm just going to list off first wave. These are no surprises. These are guys uh, that were either going to be playing at junior level or at the AHL level. These guys were cut first, uh, not cut, but, you know, reassigned uh, first. And that was last Saturday uh, before the Blackhawks went down to Kansas City to play the Blues in a preseason game. In the forward group, uh, DJ Buzdecker, Liam Folks, Carson Giswitz, Riley McKay, Dylan McLaughlin, Garrett Mitchell, Chris Wilkie, Chad Yetman, Kale Holworth on the back end, Ryan Stanton, and in net, Tom Auburn, Kale Morris. No surprise there. Those guys were bound to be on the AHL roster. All right, second wave, though, came today, today being Wednesday, October 6th, as we are recording this. And a couple surprising ones. Uh, not surprising, I guess. One of them is surprising. Uh, other one is just kind of a headline name. We'll talk about these, but I'll list them off first. Uh, Lucas Reichel, Brett Connolly, Andre Altibarmakian, Jakob Bohr, Josiah Slavin, Michael Tepley, Luis Crevier on the back end, along with Michael Crudel and Isaac Phillips. So uh, we touched a little bit on uh, some of those depth defensemen uh, last week, but let's talk about these guys up front, Ron. Lucas Reichel, obviously being the big name uh, with the 2020 first round draft pick there. And then Brett Connolly, veteran guy, 29-year-old forward, has not been in the HL since 2013-14. Uh, he was placed on waivers. 
went through, uh, and then the Blackhawks were able to assign him because no team claimed him. So uh, let's start with Connolly because this is a tough decision for a coaching staff. Um, I'll get your thoughts first because I have a thought on that after that I'll share with you. Yeah, I think it, it's uh, it's certainly interesting because Connolly was a guy that um, I thought could have been a, a Seattle casualty in the expansion draft. He wasn't. I think the, the salary was a big part of that. Um, but he's a guy that had four straight seasons of 15-plus goals in the NHL. Like, this isn't just some punk. He's a really good depth player, that true, like, middle six guy, where, like, he can elevate enough his play to maybe make the second line. But realistically, he's a perfect third liner in most case scenarios. I thought he could have had a, a chance on this team, especially with Doc as a little bit of skill on that third line. Uh, but it really feels like Kurashev is maybe starting to conquer that spot. Um, and then perhaps Adam Gaudet, too, is what I'm thinking is happening. So, yeah, tough decision because of the contract. But, hey, at least he's depth, at a, you know, decent quality that you have now in the AHL instead of just true AHL guys. Yeah, right. And we, as we mentioned, tough decision, just kind of based on the veteran status there um, and, and his contract too. Uh, you mentioned a reason why uh, Seattle may not have gone for him and probably a reason why uh, teams across the league did not pick him up on waivers. 3.5 million cap hit uh, is what Connolly is due this year and next year. Uh, but with him going down to Rockford, uh, that will count 2.375 million on the books, which Ron and I figured out today uh, as we were uh, formulating our articles for ontapsportsnet.com. We got that down. So that, that is what uh, it will uh, cost the Blackhawks against the cap, even though he is with Rockford. Ron, uh, I'm just going to share something. It's going to be a little blunt, um, and it's no disrespect towards Brett Connolly, but I'm glad this happened, and I'm glad they're not fiddle-fucking around, just keeping around solely because of veteran presence. That means young guys are stepping up. That means they know they have more offensive flash from guys like Baudette, from guys like Mackenzie Whistle, who I can't wait to get in later in the show about you with. Um, the, I, our guy Brandon Kane over at Sports Sportsnet, uh, he had a great uh, line in in our group chat today about it. And it's the future is now old man. Sorry. And in 29, uh, 29 years old, you kind of become an old man in hockey terms. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes you absolutely can. I think we've, we've seen it over the course of time. I feel like enforcers get this way uh, when they're young, they're kind of still scrappy, you know, and then they get older and it's like, all right, buddy, we're, we're sending you down. We need you to go fight Doug Glatt in the, uh, you know, the, the a hockey way down somewhere. <laughs> Uh, you know, but that's that's yeah. kind of that where that feels yeah. like nowadays. I get the vibe, yeah, yeah, but that's good, right? Like you said, because I feel like as Hawks fans, we've been dying for this system. If it's even through loading up via trade, I'll use a on tap Sportsnet, another team we cover there. The Cubs is an analogy. Like a lot of those guys that the Cubs got for their core, they traded for. You know, it wasn't just straight drafting. They noticed talent elsewhere and brought them over. I feel like Gaudet's a good example of that. You know, they drafted Kurashev. He feels like a fourth-round steal right now. It's good seeing those guys step up and them having that depth that they value over a guy like Connolly because now it feels like that farm is at least competent enough to keep this team somewhat competitive. And maybe if they get even better at it internally, we're seeing that shift. You know, we saw that over the summer with the new hires they're going to. Maybe we start to see a little more analytical approach on getting some of these, like, dare we say, money ball of hockey guys mm -hmm. is kind of what it almost yep. feels like. And that's that's kind of how I feel about that. 
I think that's a fair fair analogy there, Ron. Maybe not exactly straight up. I think baseball and hockey are you know they're they're different games, literally. <laughs> they're they're different games, but at the end of the day, there is a level of management and production for what you're going to get for what you're paying these guys, uh, and just you know letting the young guys come up and shine too. Uh, like I said, it's nothing personal against Brett Connolly, but it is just a welcome sight for me that a that it's not the Blackhawks feel hamstrung that they have to keep this guy around because he's a veteran, um, that they can push him through something like this just because other guys are forcing the issue so much throughout camp that one time at training camp love it all right let's move on next guy lucas reichel in this group uh, i think this is expected I, I did not expect him to crack the opening night roster but it is for sure now he will be starting the season in the ahl and ron i think this is positive for his development your thoughts yeah absolutely johnny he's got the opportunity now to continue playing pro um, he thankfully played in, in the men's league in Germany. So, you know, he was playing professional hockey overseas and holding his own and looking really good, especially after he was drafted uh, playing over in Germany. So you hope that he's, dare I say, the next Tuvo maybe in a sense of like he's he's that, you know, European prospect that can come over early at a young age and play in the pros right away, even if it's at Rockford. And if you dominate or if you show just enough, you know, it'll work. I think it's different because Tuvo came up in a time when they just needed to fill that hole and he was the highest, like, ceiling. Like, the rest of the team was so good, it didn't matter. And it worked at that time in 2015. I think the difference with Reichel is he's a guy that maybe elevates you back into that cup conversation because of his depth style. They need to get it right with him. And I think going to Rockford and being able to play every situation is only going to benefit his development. Absolutely. And Stan Bowman even commented on himself uh, that he would be absolutely shocked if Lucas Reichel did not play for the Blackhawks uh, at some point this season, just a matter of when. So uh, we'll keep you updated on whenever uh, he does get the call. Obviously, uh, I think it will be a little bit into the season after they figure out, um, you know, who, who's bringing what to the table uh, within that forward corp. And then also how he is progressing at the AHL level. And then also what injuries, too, because as we mentioned, you got COVID, you got injuries. It's inevitable. It's going to happen in, in the modern day and age of hockey. It just happens. Um, so if you can never have enough depth, uh, that is a great depth piece to have down there. And he will be a skilled guy. He has plenty of speed and skill, which he has displayed in flashes at training camp, but obviously still young, uh, still putting it together. So I think, like you'd mentioned, playing all situations at Rockford will only benefit him. So one last skate by uh, on this last move. Uh, keep an eye on Isaac Phillips because now we know he will be playing heavy minutes down at Rockford. So if you're watching uh, AHL games uh the rockford ice hogs keep an eye on mr phillips because uh he was you know he did sign an elc with, with the blackhawks and uh, i can definitely see uh depending on development and injuries just like reichel in the forward group take that to the back end and isaac phillips could be a uh, potential for a later season call up so that's my last skate by on that roster now stands at 36 ron we have preseason action to talk about here blackhawks finally back in action a uh, pair of losses pair of wins uh they opened up the slate with a 4-3 shootout loss against detroit last wednesday Wednesday uh, on Friday night. You were there. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, 6-3 loss. Uh, they went down to Kansas City, played an ECHL rink there against the St. Louis Blues, took it to them 5-1, to one, uh, not even with an A squad there. You love to see that. And then uh, more of the regulars playing uh, Monday night at Detroit. That was October 4th, 6-4 winner there. Uh, Ron, let's just start with your experience at the UC. We don't need to go and dissect these preseason games like we would uh, some of these regular season contests that would come up uh, in, in the next few weeks. But let's just talk about your experience because for Blackhawks fans, a lot of people, we've had people reach out to us, uh, love fans that you know send us messages on Twitter and stuff, but they say that you know we've been kind of a connection for them. And I feel awesome that Four Feathers is able to do that. But 
give us what the lowdown was like back at the UC. Cause I still haven't been back there since February of 2020. Yeah. And Johnny, for me, it was about that same time frame. I think I went to a game in early February. Um, and that had been my last time at the, at the UC, like my actual last professional hockey game before the shutdown was actually in Detroit, watching a Minnesota wild, just gang up on Jimmy Howard and watch him get booed off the ice. So it, it felt really good, Johnny, getting back into the UC, even at, you know, maybe three quarters capacity, it wasn't sold out. It's preseason. You know, the weather was still really nice that Friday night here in Chicago. So people are still out. Sox game. I know was popping. That's where you were. And, Thank you to you, sir, for letting me use your tickets. I appreciate that, my friend. Um, like you said, give it give it for the people, having us in attendance there. And oh, Johnny, I was speechless. I cried during the national anthem a little bit. The little roar got me. Oh, it, yeah. it, it tickled my heartstrings just enough. Um, you know, loved seeing Seth Jones in a Blackhawks jersey, Jake McCabe in a Blackhawks jersey, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson. I know we, we're going to talk about him in that uh, bumper roll on the power play. You know, just it, it, I got goosebumps, Johnny, thinking that Blackhawks hockey is relevant again. And I don't know if they're quite as good as the the 15 team that won it all, but they feel like that 16, 17 team were like, hey, there's a chance if things go right. And they just unfortunately went really wrong with that team. So I feel good, Johnny. I'm excited for October 13th when this thing is officially starting out in Colorado. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the ice in a second, Ron, but how was it the navigating COVID stuff? I know you have to wear a mask, you have to present vaccination or uh, negative test proof before you enter the arena. Uh, just tell us a little bit about that logistically for fans that may be attending uh, upcoming games here with, you know, preseason winding down and then regular season just around the corner. Yeah, so it was really easy. You know, if you were whatever you're presenting, whether it's the, the COVID, uh, you know, vaccination card or your negative COVID test, you either show it on your phone if it's on one of the registered apps or whatever, or the actual thing, a security guy effectively checks it to, okay, have a good one. You go in, all touchless, the ticket scanner, it's all touchless. It's really nice, and it was super easy. Um, I think for preseason, it's going to be a little better than regular season, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as people might think. I feel like they've they've had enough time to really ace it, it feels really clean and, and, and easy to get in. So, and then uh, you're supposed to wear a mask. Some people did, some people didn't. So I don't know how hard that's going to be enforced. That's just my objective opinion on that uh, based on what I saw, but you're technically supposed to wear your mask except for, you know, actively eating and drinking maybe because it's preseason people, you know, it's a little more spread out. People aren't as like, Ooh. but um, it was good overall, man. It was, it was a really easy experience. It wasn't like a stressful hassle to get back there. Finally type. Right. For sure. Uh, good, good to hear. Uh, glad to know that uh, going in logistically. Cause my first time back will be a, uh, you know, highly anticipated one a against the Canucks and B uh, the one cane ceremony celebrating his thousandth game. So that will be my first time back in the UC since uh, the pandemic hit. So good to know, Ron, thanks for the uh, tips there. Uh, glad you had a good time at the game, despite the outcome. Uh, like I said, we don't need to go through and dive through all of these, but let's just talk about some takeaways from preseason action here. And a guy that we let off with um, before, obviously we didn't have preseason games to talk about here, but a guy who was a big point of discussion when we were doing our first uh, kind of check-in on training camp was Jonathan Taves, the captain. Um, Ron, he looks more opening night ready by the game 
Every, every time I see him step out on the ice, he looks more opening night ready. Uh, in that first game against Detroit, one assist, uh, 71% at the dot. Uh, next one, a little bit rough go of it uh, in terms of offense. He was minus two on the night, but still 72 at the dot. Uh, that was just a feels like a rough night. Uh, the one that you were at, you know, six goals against uh, total as a team uh, that can kind of drag the, your numbers down there. Uh, but then at Detroit, hey, three assists on Monday night, uh, making it work uh, 69, nice percent at the dot, uh, 17 plus minutes played per game run. Uh, I don't see how this guy's not in the lineup on opening night. Yeah. I mean, he looks incredible. It, it almost feels like for, for Jonathan Taves, it's just getting back on the bike for the first time and pedaling and, Oh, okay. I remember how to do this now. This is easy. I got this, you know, this, you know, days at training camp, you know, that's what it feels like. It's, Hey, it's free time. We get to go for a bike ride. I'm going to get back on a bike for the first time in years or a year. Like a lot of people stop doing things in COVID, you know, it's like they get back to doing them again. And it's like, Oh, I remember this now. That's how Taves feels. He's dominant in the dot looking selkie, almost worthy. Like I know he said he feels incredible. And like, I feel that's such a cliche, you know, nowadays, Oh, he's in the best shape of his life, you know, but, like, is he legitimately? Because if he can sustain this, and that's where I'm concerned, is can he do it over, you know, 82? But, like, if he can, Johnny, this is incredible. Like, Taves yeah. looks healthier than ever. Yeah. So th there's also, you know, the physical aspect, which we'll have to monitor, obviously, uh, being off for the whole season um, and just getting back into the groove real in game action and uh, kind of, uh, you know, tighter checking uh, scenarios here when, when you're playing against a team in a competitive game, uh, granted preseason, not near the intensity that regular season will bring. So keep an eye on the physical uh, things, but at all signs pointing well, it would be a, a sign of concern uh, if they were limiting minutes that much uh, in the preseason. And uh, he, he was not performing uh, up to the Jonathan Taves that, you know, may, maybe not right at the elite level that, that we've known that we can get from him from some of the Stanley cup runs, but at the, you know, responsible both ways, back checking, uh, you know, lifting guys sticks and, uh, you know, winning at the dot and killing penalties, all this stuff. So um, it would be a sign of concern if he wasn't doing that stuff, but the, beyond the physical stuff, there's a mental aspect to it too, that he elaborated on himself. And it's that when you're away from it, you kind of, miss the sort of day in day out that may have felt mundane before uh, I think that's a big factor Ron yeah it's you you feel rejuvenated rejuvenated you know what I mean it's like dare I say it's like coming back from a vacation sometimes it just resets you in the right way and you come back and you're like this wasn't so bad I kind of missed it like I, I guess I would feel that way if I was playing a game I loved that would yeah. be my equivalent of football you know what I mean I so I still go through that feeling to this day, and I've been retired for five years now. But, I mean, it's it's awesome. Uh, it, it's so cool to see. And, again, if he's really the Jonathan Taves, even if he's like three-quarters of the Jonathan Taves of old, 70% of the Jonathan Taves of old, that's still such an upgrade on this team that, like, hung around and made it interesting last year in the playoff race. Maybe they can make a little noise, and if lightning lightning strikes, you know, things happen. Who knows? Yeah, much better support cast, too, around uh, since the last time that Jonathan Taves was on the ice in competitive games for the Blackhawks, too. Uh, we'll get to some of those guys here in a second, and we'll start off uh, with one of the guys that uh, is in the middle, uh, with, you know, kind of right above him on the power play, and that is one Mr. Tyler Johnson. Um, if you remember, we, we don't like to toot our own horn, but we will when we have to here. Uh, don't say Four Feathers told you, but Four Feathers told you. Uh, before we even had any preseason games, we were looking at just grainy videos from Scott Powers, Mark Lazarus, and Charlie Emiliotis. Uh, we were talking about the power play one 
Ron. And I was excited about Tyler Johnson, the bumper roll. Thought he was really going to excel there. And shit, we've seen it in preseason games. You see him going dirty in front of the net, uh, get, getting a pass from down low. One of Taves' three assists uh, on Monday night at Detroit, hammering that thing home. And Ron, I love the one thing I love about Tyler Johnson. He's a very personable, friendly guy. He's always, you know, putting the dog up on Instagram and stuff. But there's a picture of him behind the goal after he had scored. Uh, on Monday night at Detroit, and he's still down on his knees, hands up in the air over his head, and he said, uh, you know, insert short guy captions below. And it was hilarious. I loved it. I love that he has a per- sense of personality about him, and he owns that role. Uh, I think that's huge because you don't have to be a massive guy uh, in that bumper role to be effective. You have to have hands. You have to be aware of the guys around you, and he knows how to play off the skill level that is on the outside of him or below him, uh, talking Jonathan Taves uh, at that net front spot. So, uh, elaborate, Tyler Johnson, what have you seen? What do you like? Yeah, Johnny, like you, you said with the bumper role, we talked about this off air a little bit. I was like, he feels like he's in almost kind of that TJ Oshie role now where like he's with his second team. He had success with his first team. Granted Johnson had more success than Oshie did because Oshie wasn't in St. Louis long, but he had success. You know, he was a very prominent up and coming player. And then they trade him to Washington. And then like, he almost turns into a different player. You know, he was that like top gun, like he was supposed to be the next best thing. And like, he didn't quite get there. But he like transformed himself into like a Joe Thornton field type, like rough player, but like super skilled. Granted, not the same pass level, but he's thrived in the bumper role in Washington. And Washington's power play is is what everybody envies in the NHL, Johnny. It's and cream of the crop. It is. And so you, you almost start to feel like are the Hawks trying to kind of replicate it in a way? Like Debrinkit's your Ovechkin, Johnson's your Oshi. You know, yeah. Taves is your your Kuznetsov. You know, Kane's your Backstrom, and then Seth Jones is your is your Carlson. Yep, and that's yep. that's what they're trying to go for because I think they were good enough. You know, enough at five on five, and they're going to be better this year at five on five. To where if they have an elite power play and a solid PK, again, and Flurry can like still steal you games. It would be the most ridiculous, like, they would make a movie about it, the one last great run with Taves and Kane type feel. That's where it's starting to really go, Johnny. But Uh-oh. I'm excited I'm- because Johnson is – I'm, I'm loving Johnson, too. Big fan of his in Tampa. Love that he's a Hawk now. Yeah, I, I'm getting all tingly when you're saying stuff like that, Ron, about movies and stuff, and it, it's going to be cinematic. I, I, I love it. I love how hype we can get during preseason here and talking about this stuff. But keep in mind, take a grain of salt. It is still preseason, but at the same time, when's the last time we've really looked at the Blackhawks power play and said, wow, now there's weapons here and there's guys that actually fit roles. I feel like there was too many. You're trying to push a uh, square peg into a round hole. You know what I'm saying? With not, not Nothing against Kubalik. But they tried to use him at the bumper roll at some points. He's just better suited on the wing because he's got such a clap bomb. Just fucking crank it. It's the reason that we have a Four Feathers meme about it. Um, there's other guys, too. Uh, Brandon Hagel. I, I know he's a little bit rough and tumble, but that could be maybe a second option, you know, on that unit the, the, with the bumper roll there. But I think Tyler Johnson just has a skill and awareness level to be able to execute it more fluidly. You agree? Yeah, because he's just more of a skilled player, Johnny. I think Kubalik, like you said, is that sniper. He fulfills the Kucherov role in the Tampa power play yep. as, as a sort of such, that big clap bomb from the left side. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, you found the guy, again, that, like, gives you that kind of Oshie-esque feel in that spot. But Johnson is such a skilled player. He just gets forgotten about because he played in Tampa where they're just so freaking deep and yeah. stupid. 
maybe that sense of like, hey, I'm a top dog again. This is the guy that got that $5 million contract guy again is going to really thrive for the Hawks. And if they were to go on a magic run, to me, this is a guy that screams con Smythe. Oh, watch out. TJ got a swagger back. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Let's move on. Another guy that I've been loving in preseason so far is McKenzie Entwistle. Ron, don't have too much here. Don't have the stats exactly in front of me, but he's going beast mode in the preseason, and he plays a nasty game, but he has the hands to compliment. You agree with that sentiment? Absolutely, Johnny. I mean, he he's starting to give me a little more skilled Troy Brower vibes, maybe. Um, you know, like that really big body that plays lower in the lineup, but can play up when you need him to, you know, but he's just a really good offensive power forward at the end of the day. And like, he does his job well and can grind when you need him to. And I think this is my bold prediction. I told you off air. And if we're going to throw a couple of these out there, I'll throw one of these out there. Maybe I'll have three or four throughout the preseason, you know, before things get really, really deep. My bold prediction is, you know, Entwistle is this year's Brandon Hagel, a guy that really finds a defined role on this team with flexibility to move throughout the lineup when you need him to and just provide that depth that won the Hawks. You know, they're three and six because that's how they got there. Right. And uh, I'm going to go on the record. I'm just going to say I don't think the numbers will be um, where Hagel's were, but it's that nastiness that I talk about being able to play with. And it's not it's not dirty. I mean, sometimes you do. You take penalties. It happens. Sometimes you got to stick up for your guys. I get it. But it's not dirty. It's just he's got a big frame. He's, He's got broad shoulders so he can box people out. He can keep people off the puck. And then he can also go get it and he can punish you going into the board. So that's all part of the skill set and just where he'll be playing. You know, think about last year with the Blackhawks, kind of their experimental rebuild sort of transition year, whatever the hell you want to call what last year was. Um, But they needed a source of offense there. So it allowed Hagel to kind of be like, what, a second line scorer pretty much? I mean, at that level of production, whereas Mackenzie Entwistle isn't even going to, you know, sneak above that third line, really. Uh, Maybe in some very off-one situations when they're just doing a line blender sort of thing, that's when I can see it. But at the end of the day, he's still going to be in that bottom six role, but I think he's going to thrive in it, yeah? Yeah, and and again, I think that's where I go back to my Troy Brower comparison. I really, he gives me that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, that like, that hard-nosed third liner, plays down, you know, on a certain night as a fourth line change of pace, could play a second line if you really needed him to, or if you go super duper Joe Quenville esque line blender. Yeah, maybe he sneaks onto the first line for a shift. I, I could see but, a situation where he's playing alongside Taves. That, yeah, I, like that, absolutely. And it wouldn't be for very long, but you know, sometimes nope. it sometimes just happens. Something's not going. Yeah. You just gotta hit the line blender. It absolutely. We, we've seen it with Joe Quinville out the Jeremy Collin. He's done it at times, Could but he? Not, not nearly as frequently as Coach Q did. But there, you have seen instances of it, and I think all hockey coaches have to do that because some nights it just ain't going. Right, and like on any you know a day in training camp, could he? Would he give you that like Brian Bickle feel playing next to Taves? Like that big body that goes hard to the net and plays a little bit of that nasty style. Like, yeah, and it takes a little bit of the load off of Taves' shoulders, especially as he's coming back, as we just talked about the physical, uh, keeping an eye on his, you know, endurance throughout the and, season. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, exactly. And on top of that, Bowman maybe sees his mistake and like, Brian, we miss you, buddy. We wish it would have worked out because like this is, he gives you that kind of vibe of like, yeah, maybe he could be that kind of guy. That's probably his ceiling, but that's okay. Like worst case scenario, I really like the Brower comparison and 
I like that that feel though because Colleton likes these kind of nasty guys, and it, yeah. it really, it's Johnny. Can I just say something? It's yeah. refreshing because it feels healthy, at least in internally in the organization. Like Stan's actually trying to get guys that play to JC's style. Maybe, maybe do you think Tony can just back the hell off of my guy JC just for one <laughs> yeah. year? Let him see I, yeah, what it, happens with it, some it, talent. Like, I'm I'm happy, Johnny. It makes my heart warm. It, yeah, you know, I'm an no, apologist it, for JC. Yeah, right, no, right, Ron, and, and there's you know there's points uh, on both sides of that that uh, sort of spectrum there, but uh, I don't need to dive into that too much further. It, it's also um, going into this. It, it's that the Blackhawks are learning from the league, I believe, because mm-hmm. we, they kind of pioneered the sort of, and they they weren't the first team to do it. other t- players had, you know, other, excuse me, other teams had skill players, some smaller stature guys, whatever, but, you know, Kane really came into it. We, you know, you saw the Debrinket, uh, the, that kind of era come into it too. Um, but you know, th- that was kind of what they prided themselves on. That's how they beat some teams, but there's, I feel like they got away from having some of that nastiness to them. And that needs to be brought back. Just look at the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, it was after the 2020 cup, but you could go and replicate it again uh, after the 2021 um, with Tampa Bay lightning going back to back. Our guy, Austin Blackhawks G zone wrote an article at on It was after the 2021, but it's what can the Blackhawks learn from that? And it's that you do, you need a little bit of grit. You need a little bit of nastiness. It's not guys that are going to completely abandon the puck to go, you know, just shave off a guy against the boards but it's making them fear taking the puck away from you from, you know, making easy outlet pass. It's like, no, you're going to, you're going to get a little pushback now from the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not just going to get pushed around Johnny. And I think that was what happened an awful ton during that. Like it kind of started in 2015 a little bit, but it got really bad in 16, 17, 17, 18, when things just went and felt like it really blew up. You know, and like you said, they're, they're, it feels like they're trying to get back to having that depth again. And and that like, hey, we can't totally get pushed around. We might not like fight you and every night and like out hit you all the time. But like we're at least going to hold our own and, you know, we can play nasty to you with skill. And like you said, they're, they're learning from the rest of the league. And I, I think that's a good sign. So- so, Ron, to wrap this up, just a kind of overarching theme. It goes with Mackenzie Entwistle. It goes with some of the bigger body guys that you're going to have a long downside there in the lower forward group and then along with some of the defensemen that can lay the lumber a bit. Mm-hmm. I want to get away from the G words, grit and gooniness. Let's throw those out. But I want to use nastiness. That That's that's one that I'm going to like this year. And what's what's another synonym I'm looking for here? nastiness and tenacity yeah Hmm. yeah hustle yeah um you know just that kind of i call it the balls to the walls mentality balls to the wall yeah yeah it gives me that kind of vibe yeah for sure Uh, and this kind of is a good transition point here because ron we talked about it when we were just lining up these names and talking about who is going to be here but we spent a lot of time on forwards there how good does it feel to have an actual decor we love it here at four feathers we do and and everybody was like they were so bad in that Friday game against the Blues. And it's like, but yeah, you do also recall that like Allen and Mitchell were your third pairing. Like that third pairing got beat up a little bit. And Jones looked great in heavy minutes. McCabe looked good. And I think he ended up playing like almost 19, maybe 18 and a half, give or take. Um, But like Jones was out there for like 25 minutes in the preseason. Like it's a good feeling having that workhorse again. It's a good feeling having that, you know, first defensive guy since Nicholas Chalmerson type defenseman, 
you know, and then you have a good guy like Murphy, who's kind of a poor man Seabrook in a lot of ways. Like you're getting back to having that depth and guys that play roles mm-hmm. and they all play good roles when they're all together and can gel. And it's good having that little bit of depth too, but you got to hope the whole like nine guys that you're going to have in rotation can gel this year because you mentioned before injuries, et cetera, but it's, it's still so nice seeing Jones and McCabe and like, it makes me smile and, and all giddy right. seeing a brand new shiny toy as a top pairing. Yeah, we're, we're just recording this year, but I can see Ron on the video stream. He got all dreamy eyed there. It, it was great. It was like it was like he just, uh, you know, saw his high school crush, you know, back when he was like 14 years old. I love it. No, Ron, seriously, that's how it feels, though, just because we've been deprived of it for so long. Uh, a couple points that I want to make from uh, preseason, just observations. Uh, McCabe showing a little offensive flair. We know we've talked about him. I We put him in not, you know, a not Nicholas Jomerson 2.0, but of the ilk uh, of the ilk of just his play style his mentality and what he wants to do and help shut down uh other team scoring chances but he showed a little offensive flair nice little clapper from the left point on monday night that was good to see then another thing kind of going back to the uh you know tenacity nastiness uh point that i was making in the forward group bring to the back end here seth jones late in the game uh it's tied 4-4 i believe at the time uh and mark andre Fleury makes a save and you got Bobby Ryan out in front of the net, getting a stick right in between Flurry's pads, trying to poke that thing home. You got Jones and Murphy out front. Murphy gives him a little shot towards Jones, and Jones plants him on his ass. Get the fuck away from my goalie. I loved it, Ron. We have not seen that level of tenacity from any from either forward or demon. Hey, you thought you were going to get a little bit of that with Nikita Zadorov last year? It was like few and far between. And the one that they did have of it, the one real good example, they mic'd up and showed the replay of it and, you know, Blackhawk social media shared it a million times to prove that, hey, we actually do have this. It's like, no, it wasn't consistent. You're going to get this consistently out of guys. It's not just Jones. It's going to be Murphy. He's a big body. McCabe, he's a guy that you don't want to fuck with either. I love seeing it, Ron. It just makes makes my heart warm. Yeah, and, and Stillman has a little bit of that feel to him too. Jones, not necessarily like aggressive, but just solid and just he pl- he plays with authority, at least defensively when it comes to contact. And but that's how it feels too. Is like they play with authority. Like, hey, don't you dare touch my guy. Well, packs you know, plant you on the ice. You know, McCabe. We see McCabe bury people and then fight somebody and win the fight type guys. Like they play with pride, Johnny. It really feels like these yeah. guys are proud to be with this Blackhawks franchise. McCabe, second home is Chicago. He gets to come play here. He said it was like a dream come true. Jones Murphy, Murphy taking a money cut yeah basically stay here yeah you know he probably could have gotten five five and a half on the free agent market he takes four four to stick around because he's become like a face of the franchise in a lot of ways in like social media world like he's very accepted as like one of the like the guys in the media for the hawks he's an alternate captain too that's a topic that we didn't have on the docket but i think we can get into with this discussion here yeah and and exactly and i'll return to that in in a hot second but like you got you know dahan who plays with a little bit of that like Authority, Jones, you know, Kalinux, maybe you're a little bit more of like a Nick Letty when he was super young, maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily the same ceiling, but like that, like, hey, I'm skilled, but I'm not like totally there yet. I'm a little raw. You know, mm-hmm. he's got that good flair to him and too. And Stillman feels like a, a guy that's not going to let people mess with you either. Yeah. So they got that grit again, Johnny. And you saw guys like Vlasic that they've drafted who are big and tough. That's kind of what they're trying to get more and more and more of. And it's good to see some of it finally coming to fruition and I'm just playing with authority and with pride. John. 
Right, absolutely. So and nice to see it all kind of coming together because you've seen some of these lineups that feature Jones, McCabe. You got Dahan on there. He was out there Friday night. Um, and you're seeing some of these other guys rotate in. And pairs kind of vary a little bit uh, within practice groups, just seeing who can play with who. Uh, you know, Stillman, we saw him with Murphy earlier. He's been uh, slotted into some other pairs here. I think they're still trying to figure out exactly uh, what, what that's going to be come opening night. Uh, but on the overall, it uh, feels good to have a decor is my bottom line here. Absolutely. And just quickly rolling back, Johnny, so we can close the loop on that. Uh, Murphy appearing to be the on the road alternate captain. And then the at home alternate captain is Alex DeBrinket, which was something we wrote about over at ontapsportsnet.com. So, you know, just we're just saying. But, you know, that's that's great to see that these young guys who were young when we got Murphy, like he didn't feel young because he'd been around for a while, but he's young, you know, and and so is DeBrinket. And it's like, Maybe these are the next faces of the franchise as, as Taves and Kane start to fade out and they still figure out who kind of compliments Doc as he progresses, things like that. Like they're building for the future too, but you're seeing that leadership from the youth guys, the Seabrook type things that in sharp type roles that they were missing. I think that's kind of the flashbacks I get from an alternate captaincy. Um, so that's really nice to see too. So I wanted to close the loop on that yeah. before. Yeah, we got obviously lost. The, 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 the first and foremost focus is on this season and competing and making a playoff spot this year, but you're also planting the seeds and you're planting some seeds with guys that will be around, uh, for the future. So, uh, I think that's good. And there will be a good harvest, uh, in the future. So, uh, we can wrap that up there. Let's talk goalies real quick here. Malcolm Subban, the guys that we talked about here, uh, on the back end with, with, you know, Colin Daly and Malcolm Subban with their situations, they're not waiver exempt. Uh, so they'd have to go through the process, possibility of them picking, uh, uh, being picked up. And we don't know exactly what the situation will be with goalies who can stay with a COVID taxi squad sort of deal. But let's just talk performance on the ice. Malcolm Subban looked excellent on Saturday night. Uh, you know, we couldn't watch it here. Uh, the Blues, they did show some uh, highlights that came out the day after. But uh, his numbers overall, 31 uh, save, saves on 32 shots. Uh, only one goal out, obviously. 969 save percentage and a 5-1 winner. Uh, Blackhawks, like I said, didn't even have their A squad out that night. Uh, felt like it was a little bit more of depth guys on the road. And the Blues are trying to bring it. They're, they're in an ECHL rink. It's kind of a, uh, you know, show-me game for them in the show-me state uh, in Kansas City, uh, playing out there. That's where that game was on Saturday night. And I love that the Hawks able to just take it to them uh, with that squad they had out there. And that bodes extremely well for Malcolm Subban in that. Uh, performance that he had there Ron. yeah i mean your leaders of that team that night in terms of like forwards and such were kubalik and doc and it's not a shot at those guys it's just like you know in most cases right yeah yeah, right exactly (laughs) yeah so like but again i mean it's great to see you know hardman entless so colton doc not even not even kirby borkstrom who i don't think we've talked about at all yet and he's something could be something really fun to watch this year and Kubalik, you know, getting a, a clapper of his own as well. It's nice to see that. Just again, fucking crank it. Just fucking just, crank it. Just fucking crank it, Johnny. It's just so nice to see that depth, too. That kind of reinforces that yeah. depth. But, again, to your point, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, like, a potential third goalie situation. Still because COVID is still very relevant. You know, maybe that's how they can kind of keep Subban around. And maybe it's just maybe they can sneak Delia through to Rockford. Because, like, it feels like he was at least decent enough to keep around for another year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. So I just wanted to point that out. And then uh, just some 
Mark Andre Fleury, vintage flower stuff on Monday night. Uh, he, he played and he had four goals allowed, but all were power play goals. Uh, Blackhawks did end up winning that game six to four. We're able to put it away late thanks to a McKenzie Entwistle, who we just mentioned earlier. Uh, he got the uh, game winner and then a empty netter uh, sealed it. I believe it was the cat. Uh, to get that done uh, with an assist from John David Patrick Cade. So uh, your A squad there, literally, with the captaincies uh, on that, too. Uh, closing that one out. But Marc-Andre Fleury at the end of this game, since we're on goaltending here, Ron. Absolute larceny on Robbie Fabry. Did you see the save? I did. Dude, uh, it was only preseason, but it was so good that everyone was sharing the highlight. Like everyone had to because it was just that vintage flower type save. Uh, bending, you know, kind of lunging out, big glove stop goes down. And they, I love the picture that they posted after Fabry just looking back in disbelief and flower still on the ground with it, holding it down. Um, just vintage stuff. And this is what we're going to see uh, in crunch time for Marc Andre Fleury all year. So, yes, cool save in the moment, great highlight, but. The foreshadowing is what makes me even more excited. Yeah, absolutely. And can I just say really quickly about Flower? Like, he feels like the ultimate, like, hey, I'm getting old, but I can still do this. So I'm going to just use the preseason as a time to screw off a little bit. He probably doesn't care much on the, with the other teams with the power play. Like, not trying to get, take shots to the head or anything crazy, you know, and then – but he's like, hey, I could rob this kid. Watch this. This is gonna be funny. Yeah. And he does it. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's like when it's like when that old guy pulls up and in, in, in you know pick up basketball, but he's still got it. And he like calls his shot on the floor and drains a three in your face type thing. Yeah, like that's it's got that kind of feel to it. I, yeah. I love seeing Flower again if he can stay healthy and he feels like, hey, I'll take my rest when I need it type stuff, and he feels like he'll be good to go with Kevin Lincoln as the one one B Johnny. I feel really good about the in-net situation this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just wanted to point that out because that was kind of the big highlight uh, as of late uh, on the goaltending front there. So uh, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit of rounding out preseason action, Ron. Two more contests as we're recording this once again, Wednesday, October 6th here. Uh, this will be a Thursday. So tomorrow's game, if you're listening to this on Thursday, it's tonight's game, uh, Thursday, October 7th at Minnesota, 7 p.m. Central Time puck drop on NBC Sports Chicago, and then the Minnesota Mild will visit our Blackhawks at the UC on Saturday night, October 9th, 7.30 p.m. NBC Sports Chicago for that puck drop. So, Rob, what are we looking for in these final two preseason games? You know, Johnny, we'll see a lot more of what's going to be the opening night roster, I think especially in that last game on Saturday. Uh, they're they're going to want to get them all one game together before opening up together for the first time, really you know, all preseason because it's been – kind of those interchangeable parts between depth and super depth and stars and things like that. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to see like who, who makes the roster, like the bubble guys, right? Like the ent whistles of the world, the Gaudettes and what their role is. And, you know, like the Kurashevs and the Borgstrom, I think again, Borgstrom going back to him, a guy I'm super excited about. Yeah. Like we're, we're going to start to see who's the depth that fills this team out and then who's kind of that first line of defense and then who's like your true Rockford guys. So role definitions are being revealed, and I think that's really fun to see, and that's what I'm expecting to see this week. Right. One, I'm going to go real specific here, and this kind of circles back to a point that we opened the show with, um, or at least it was a very early topic on when we were discussing uh, training camp reassignments here, um, and that is Hendrik Borgstrom, a name that you said we hadn't talked about a lot here, but I'll elaborate a little bit. This guy has – 
a ton of skill, just a plethora of skill. It's kind of like, you know, you've heard that about other guys. You've heard that about like an Alex Nylander. And once again, oh, guess what? He's back in the mix too, because he's finally back from his, uh, you know, surgery and his uh, last season off. Um, but Hendrick Borgstrom, let's get back to him for a second. Talk about a reason why Mike Connolly, or excuse me, Brett Connolly did not make uh, or had the waiver uh, situation there. You can credit a lot of that to Henrik Borgstrom, a guy that came along with him in that trade, along with Riley Stillman, too, uh, from Florida. Um, so guess what? Former teammates there, teammates now here. Uh, you're not going to be teammates because Henrik Borgstrom is making the opening night roster. There's my prediction for what to look for and uh, who should be keying in on in some of these last preseason games. I love that, Johnny. That makes that makes me warm and fuzzy because Borgstrom, when they got him, was a guy I was most excited about in the trade. Obviously, I knew a little bit about Stillman and was like, okay, he's intriguing. You know, what role does he kind of eventually turn into? But Borgstrom is a guy that like I can't I can't say too much bad about Homer. I love this was uh, courtesy of Kobe Cohen. Uh, yeah, Kobe Cohen, um, you Blackhawks, you know, digital content um, uh, kind of uh, contributor there um, for them at NHL.com. And he had put it. Uh, I was reading something from him. So all credit to him on this. But I love the way he described it. Not every day you find a guy who's six foot four, but can stick handle his way out of a phone booth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And And that's the thing, like. And we got to give credit to Bowman because he finds some of these like reclamation projects. It's kind of like what he prides himself on. It's something I'm pondering creating an article about here in the near future, a little foreshadowing. But he, he's that type of guy that like maybe you put him in the right situation. He finds that right role that works for him and he's going to thrive. And he he's just Stan Bowman called him the best college player he's ever seen. That's got to be worth something, you know, for a guy who you know, has had some college, you know, bringing college guy in success, at least, or he tries to, um, you know, Mitchell maybe defines that eventually, but, you know, just wrapping up that thought, Johnny, like, ah, you know, it's, it's what you needed. And, and, and Bowman Bowman's doing it. And Borgstrom gets us there. I'm really excited about him, Johnny. Really yeah, excited. I would say key in on him, uh, watch him in these final preseason games. And I would, uh, be shocked if he did not make the opening roster. So that is just one of my predictions here as we wrap this show up. Uh, Ron, let's get some final thoughts and then I will close us out. We are just about out of time. Johnny, I'm just, I'm excited for Blackhawks hockey. Can't wait for the 13th. Can't wait to be talking back on the mic regularly with you, with Tony, uh, with our other contributors here. It's going to be a blast. Mm, just pump it into my veins, Johnny. Even these last two preseason games, I'm so excited for tomorrow night. Yeah, beat, them, beat the Minnesota Mild. Come on. It's it's the last two preseason games. I know the, the result doesn't matter here, but they're, they're the Minnesota Mild. I know they got Kirill, the Thrill, Dollar Bill, whatever. They're calling them up there uh, in the Northlands, but uh, it's the Minnesota Mild. That's a running kind of gag against the uh, you know Minnesota hockey franchise that is there now uh, here at Four Feathers. So uh, beat them in these final two preseason games. And a week from now, Ron, a week from now, because it's 930 right now, as you and I are recording this on Wednesday, October 6th, Exactly one week from right now, we'll be watching real Blackhawks hockey that counts when the Hawks visit the Avs for opening night, 9 p.m. puck drop central time. So I can't wait. I'm sure we'll be sharing, exchanging tweets back and forth about all of our excitement. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Can't wait. So stay tuned with us. We'll be back with you uh, here on Four Feathers for a season preview episode like we do annually uh, before that regular season gets underway. We will let the um, weekend uh, preseason games here uh, slide through. And we also have some uh, playoff baseball on the other side. I'm on the south side of town, so I've got that 
that going on. So be a little busy with that first, but then we'll get to Hawks pre uh, season preview before we get back for season three, episode three of four feathers. So thank you for tuning into episode two here of season three. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please go and follow us on social media at four feathers pod and at on tap sports net visit on for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. If you like, podcast please go give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen because that's cool and tough all right ron that's about it for tonight we'll be back that was one time at training camp but next time we'll be talking about the real deal let's go hawks let's go hawks.